Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And one of the things we love to do is invite pastors in to share their testimonies uh, about their faith, how they came to Christ, uh, about how they came to a place where they heard the call of the ministry on their life, and, and how they ended up serving the Lord the way that they're serving Him. And so those stories are always edifying and exciting. And, uh, and so for that very reason, um, I have invited a dear friend of mine, uh, Lee Ridings of Greater Hope Baptist Church, uh, to hang out with us today. He's got a story that is an encouragement. Uh, it's been an encouragement to me, and I think it'll be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, it's a story of how he came to a place where he discovered that God's Word can be understood. And so uh, with that, I want to introduce Lee Ridings. Welcome to The Postscript, man. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I'm doing great. How do you feel about being on a podcast? Um. Well, you know, I got to make sure that I don't mess this up, uh, you know, like normal conversations, all good. But then when you, you start recording it, it, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, you got to make sure you don't incriminate yourself, <laughs> what, you know, because once you're here, you, there's no going back. No, this is it. I mean, yeah. at the yeah, whole, you're, you're done. The whole world is going to judge you yeah. based on yeah. what's said over the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. From here on out. Um, no, dude, for real though. It, I, I've known Lee for almost two years now and I really enjoy hanging out with him. He's so much fun. We're about the same age. So we, we kind of see the world a little bit similar, but he's a good, he's a country boy and I'm a city boy. So we, yeah, we balance each other I out mean, a little bit. Yeah. Them weird clothes you wear, but other than that, <laughs> you're all good, bro. Okay, so I want to start by letting you share your testimony because you've got a really good story, kind of a wild story, and um, one that I think a lot of people would be edified by hearing. So just start with your childhood and what it was like growing up and um, and what was going on in your life as a young man and how you came to know Christ. I have kind of a, I guess some people would call it like a, a, rough, a rough upbringing. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I've heard some of your story and, and I'm sure yours is probably similar. Mm. Um, but, um, so my mom and my dad, uh, they, they got, my mom got married, mom married my dad when she was 16 years old. And, um, so they kind of did their thing. She's extremely young. Neither one of them really knew anything. Um, as far as, uh, you know, they both claim to be saved. And I will get to some of that maybe uh, through this whole thing. But um, so uh, I was five. My little brother was three. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, thank God that memories have been replaced. But unfortunately, one of the earliest memories that I have of my parents is them fighting. Um, I, like I said, I was probably five. My little brother's probably three. And, and I, I can remember just uh, having the door cracked and watching my mom and dad literally go at it. I mean, just, just fight like cats and dogs. Mm. And, um, so that was kind of my childhood. I lived with my grandparents most of my life. Um, my, my granddad was, was my hero. And, um, you know, I, I stayed with him. I lived with him. I did everything he did. 
um, everything I knew about life uh, from the time I was till I was 13 years old. Um, my granddad taught me and, um, he passed away, he got cancer when I was eight. Mm. And, um, so for five years, um, we dealt with cancer and I can remember going to, um, going to the hospital and sitting, uh, years ago for hours. This was a long time ago. Cancer treatments wasn't what they are today. Uh, they would take your blood out of your body, separate white and red blood cells, and they would treat the white blood cells and then we put them back in your body. So it was an all day process. And, you know, I can remember going and sitting all day long. My granddad's for technology, uh, had ever hit the scene. And, uh, man, you know, I thought so much of him. I loved every ounce of it. Like, I mean, it was just the coolest thing ever. And then, so I was introduced to, to church, um, and to Jesus Christ, uh, in some ways, through my granddad's cancer. Um, hmm. When he got cancer, I'm, I'm not certain how, but we ended up in a church of God, and um, Carswell Church of God right down the road. And so we were there for like three years probably. And um, I, went to, I went to the Christian school for like one semester there, and, uh, you know— they they don't they don't let you fight but so many times in uh, Christian school yeah. and they're like you know it's time to go this kid this dude you know he's not cut out for here whatever right. and uh, so I went back to public school um, but you know during that whole time frame I was introduced to Christ in in some way all right um, my granddad actually got saved oh, at that church wow, praise God through yeah yeah through that uh, through that whole thing. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm 13 years old, uh, 14. I ended up moving back in with my mom. And, um, you know, that was kind of a train wreck. I had so much liberty uh, that I just did whatever I wanted to do. And so 17, um, pretty, I'm in pretty rough shape at 17. Second semester of my 11th grade year, mm -hmm. I found out I wasn't going to graduate. And, uh, on, in my senior year, so I just quit and went to work. Mm -hmm. It was about time for that to happen for me. Anyway, um, I was looking at moving out, I, I big, long ordeal, family issues and all that stuff. Right. So I, I moved out, uh, met my wife, uh, met my, at the time, my girlfriend in her senior year. And, uh, so we started dating and she was a lot more, uh, put together uppity kind of, you know, <laughs> her parents had real jobs and, right, you know, right. they really cared about who she was dating. Right. And, you know, one of the statements was, um, uh, I, I can't believe you're dating this guy. Do you know who his parents is? Ooh. And, uh, so one of the stipulations was, and I, I don't tell this to many people just cause they look at you weird, but one of the stipulations was, is, uh, if, if I was going to date her, then I had to go back and get my GED. Mm. And, you know, that was a drag. And cause it, it, the longer you listen to this podcast, you'll figure out my hardest subject was language arts. And, uh, so we're, I'm literally the only thing that I'm having to work on is a five paragraph essay. I could not complete a five paragraph essay paragraph essay to save my that life. That was the only thing keeping you from graduating? 
uh, well, it was the only thing keeping me from getting all of my taking my GED because I took the first three and I passed them. No, no problem. And you had to write a five paragraph paragraph essay in this, and it was just a, it was just a train wreck. And <laughs> I was a train wreck, is what it was. And uh, so I, but I did it. I, I made it through. I had to go to some night classes to learn how to, you know, all that stuff. And um, so anyway, through that whole thing, uh, ended up with my wife, and, and we're married. And um, we get married uh, as soon as she gets out of college. And what are you doing career-wise at this point? Well, I ha- I have done a couple of things. I've owned several businesses at this point. Um, let's see. I'm actually working in the elevator business. Okay. So that's yeah. what my dad did, and I'm in the elevator business and, uh, you know, doing all that. And uh, so we get married, and I started a business, another business, business. Uh, trash service and so that was you know crazy starting a business getting married Mm -hmm. it was just really bad decision there uh plus you know i'm still i'm still pretty wild uh at this point we went to church we went to little methodist church uh where she went some and um you know uh it just you know uh wasn't a whole lot going on there if you know what i mean and um so she had we went to some Bible studies. Uh, she had been through confirmation, um, you know, all the stuff that the Methodists, uh, in you know, take you right. through or whatever. And um, so uh, through this whole time, so we we have uh, Sarah Jo and Claire are my my first two kids, twins. We have Sarah Jo and Claire. Um, and they're, I don't know, they're probably six, eight months old. And um, we're in pretty bad shape, me and her are. I'm, I'm 24 years old. Uh, me and her's in, in pretty rough shape at this time, and uh, marriage-wise. And my brother-in-law gets saved. So my brother-in-law came to, came to Christ, which was the most unlikely candidate to be the first he one. Was, he was a roughneck. Like, uh, he, he, I mean, in my opinion, he was rougher than I was. I mean, he, he smoked weed for breakfast. <laughs> what? Like it was just, I mean, he yeah. was rough. And, um, so he came to Christ and, and God changed his life. Like, like unbelievably like daylight to, I mean, you know, daylight mm-hmm. to dark. I mean, it was just a huge change. And he started going to church all the time, and we was all mad about it, you know. Uh, we, you know, everybody's good with you getting saved until it starts messing up the family calendar. Right. And uh, so we're we're eating we're eating supper on uh, Sunday nights together as a family. Well, he is saved, and he messes all that up. So now he's going to church on Sunday night. Before it's over with, he's serving in a wana, like the dude that was just you know, drinking cases of beer and, and, and smoking bags of weed. He's now, well, he, he's now in the children's <laughs> minister serving in a wana, like, like six, eight months later. And we're all like, what yeah, has he, happened? He became, we have, we're losing yeah, he became it. A, a goody two shoes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, but it did something in me to where I was like, uh Oh, like some, whatever happened to him was real. And it started churning. 
you know, it started churning in me. And, and before I knew what conviction was, was, was dealing with me and I'm not even sure what's going on yet. So lo and behold, a friend of mine invites me to go to church. Now, remember, this isn't, this is our, we got two children. It's not good. I have no clue how to be a husband and really didn't, and really didn't figure that out until probably five or six, five years ago. Mm. So I have no clue uh, about this husband thing. She has no clue about this wife thing. So we're just rocking on, trying to do the best we can. Guy invites me to go to church, Baptist Church in Dallas. And um, we hunted together. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. And so I go, and um, I hated the singing. It, it, I just hated it. I thought, this is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever been a part of in my life. Yeah, you're you too know? cool for that. It, it was just yeah, it was yeah. awful. But I'm going to tell you, I loved the preaching. Like, I was just drawn yeah. to it. I was like, dude, this, if if it wasn't true, he really was believing, a, a, he believed a real good lie. <laughs> like, and you could tell, he believed it in mm-hmm. his soul, deep. And so I'd go back, and I'd sit on the back row. I'd come in after the singing was over. I'd sit on the back row. I'd listen to the preaching. I'd get up, and I'd leave. Did this for weeks. And uh, slowly, I'd move up a row or two here and there. I made it about middle ways up on, on a Wednesday night, and dude just poured his heart out. And I, I mean, he he gave an altar call. And here in the South, people go to the altar like it's you know it's not uh, it's just what you do. Right. And it's part, it's um, part of the man, tra- tradition I, I don't of know. the church. Yeah. 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 I mean, people, people go to the altar and he's like, you know, if you want to come to Jesus, come on. And man, before I knew what had happened, uh, I stood up and, and like, I felt like all the blood had left my body. Like I was doing everything I could. I was going to, I done made my mind up. I'm going, I'm going to obey whatever, whatever I am supposed to do. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I got up and before I knew it, I was in the altar um, calling on the Lord the the best way I knew right. how. And, you know, that night coming to faith in Jesus Christ and, and literally, you know, taking every, for what I knew, giving everything up at that point in time to surrender my life mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ. And you were hurting. I mean, at the time, so, you, were, you were, I mean, the marriage problems were probably a huge, oh, we were a huge train catalyst. My whole life. Like they, that was part of the conviction process. Like things aren't right. Things aren't right in my life. I need, I need something bigger. Yeah. It was everything. Yeah. Like everything had fell apart. Uh, there was nothing going right. And, and, and it, you know, um, and to the outside, it looked like religion. Like I was turning over a new leaf and all this stuff. Like, yeah, he's just got whatever. He's got the case of the the do betters because I got them through the years mm-hmm. too. Like I got a I got a lot of cases of the do. I'm I'm gonna do better. I'm not gonna do this no more. I'm not gonna do that no more. And it never took. The only thing that ever took with me, um, and, and I'm 40. The only thing it ever took with me was coming to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and and plus nothing and minus nothing. Like quit being dumb, quit playing games, and and you know do let's right. do this thing. And so I go home that night and I tell my wife, I'm like, look, she's not saved yet. And I was like, look, 
I, I can't tell you everything that happened to me tonight, but here's what I know. Everything's going to be all right. And she said, yeah, sure it is. And I'm like, all right. I laid my head down on my pillow for the first time in 24 years. And I had, I had the greatest mm. peace I'd ever had in my life. And it, that's really one of the best things about me coming to Christ. I remember that part so much that, man, the freedom was unbelievable. I mean, it was just, I had been loosed from my chains. I had been set free. And I didn't know about tomorrow. All I knew was that that night, everything was going to well, be okay. Well, and, it, was tr- it was true. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it did, really did, was. Th- did, uh, there, there was a lot yeah, of bumps. Tell me in the about road. the bumps, because yeah. it didn't. It wasn't like it got better overnight. I mean, you're, you know, Jordan, Jordan, no, your wife still doesn't um, know Christ yet, and then she, she does. She comes, she comes to get saved. But then you guys are still working through. What, what does it look like to follow Jesus? A lot of people don't know this part, but like it wasn't probably a year after I got saved, I, we moved. Like I went to Bible mm-hmm. college. Like I felt in in like the first four or five months of being saved, like God wanted, like God was already dealing with me about mm-hmm. preaching. Like I, I wasn't even real sure what that was. Like I just knew, like, like I started writing down my testimony, and like Psalm thirty four six, the poor man crying, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That's the very first sermon I ever preached. I had that written. I had that written down. Psalm thirty four, and. I had that written down like eight months before I had ever opened my mouth to even think mm-hmm. I was going to preach. Like it was just crazy. Like, I mean, I, I would go, I mean, I would go out on my back porch and we had goats in the backyard. My father had goats and I, I would literally talk to the goats about Jesus. Like I didn't have anybody else to talk to at, the, at this point in time. Like my wife was like, you have lost your mind. <laughs> She wouldn't go to the Baptist church forever. She's like, there are a bunch of nut jobs. I'm not going up there. And, you know, so I went to church for a while by myself. And finally she made, you know, she started coming or whatever. And she realized that, you know, they, they was as crazy as she thought they was, but they, at least we yeah. were all crazy together, right. you know? And so, so, uh, we, anyway, I go to Bible college. I'm doing my thing. We, she's, she, I drove back and forth to South Carolina for a whole semester uh, and lived in the dorms mm. over there uh, for one whole semester and uh, throughout the week, and then I drive back home. So we finally move over there. She actually gets saved over there one night. I, I'm actually back here in, in Georgia, and uh, I, I'm, I'm coon hunting one night with some friends of mine, and she calls me on the phone, and she's, she's crying her eyes out on the phone. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, um, she she said, I need mm-hmm. to get saved. And she hung up on me. <laughs> so I call her back and I'm like, what is wrong with you? And she and bro, this is I mean, you know, this is kind of crazy. Uh, but she said, leave my feet are on fire. And. You go back and ask her later. She said she felt like the flames of hell were burning the bottoms mm. of her feet. That's what kind of conviction she was under. Now, wow. whatever, you know. So she hangs up on me again. Third time's a charm. 
I was like, all right, do, do you need to get saved or what? And by this time, I'm very aggravated. And, you know, I'm like, this is really simple. Like you, you've done the hard part. The hard part has happened. You have admitted it. Now you need to call on Christ and receive Jesus Christ. That, this is the this is the last part. Anyway, she calls on the Lord's sweetest mm-hmm. prayer ever, and God God saved her on the telephone. And it was just like I I mean wow. it was an amazing thing. And um, so praise the Lord, she saved. I've got you know I'm I'm just elated over this whole thing. And uh, so. We still we so we having more kids and all this stuff and you know we still know nothing about being husbands and wives because nobody knows enough to teach I guess where we're at about mm-hmm. being husbands and wives well biblically so we're still rocking along now uh, through this whole chance that we stayed out there four years we came back here. So I'm a youth pastor for a while in a IFV church down the road here. Um, a lot of chain of events happened that, that didn't uh, didn't go down. They should have went down. So I I exited that scene and I went to another church. I she sat in a church for a year and I didn't do anything. I didn't preach. I didn't do nothing. I didn't want to do nothing. I actually didn't even want to be. I didn't well, want to be in well, the ministry. Just because of how bad the last situation was, you just felt burnt. You felt tired. Yes, yes. There was a um, there was there was a lot of uh, re- there was a lot of things went on. There, yeah. there was just rough, like to say mm-hmm. the least. I had all the zeal in the world. Yeah, when churches aren't functioning the way God intended them to, it's there's not much more painful than that. Yeah, and. Like there was a lot of stuff that went on that it just wasn't biblical at all. So I just told him, I was like, well, look, I'm just going to leave. And um, so I left and I went to this. Other, we went to this other church, man, great pastor at this other church, hardcore IP, um, you know, standards yeah. through the roof. But that dude loved me and he loved my family. His wife loved me, loved my family. I mean, they were had the biggest hearts. On, mm. on the planet, um, just great people. We needed them for this time in our. Because I, I legit, my my wife, she she'll tell she tell you to this day, like I suck. I don't I don't want to do this no more. And uh, I said I'm gonna go back to whatever you know doing. You know I just don't want to do this no more. And she's like, oh, okay, well here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get all the kids in here, and we're gonna tell them that daddy's quitting. Mm. And that he's not going to be a part of the ministry anymore. That he's not going to be. That he's not going to be preaching anymore. And uh, we'll 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 you know we'll do that if if that's what you want to do. <laughs> you know I couldn't have swallowed a French fry on a bet on that one. And I'm like, um, well, let's hold off on that. And she she says, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, all right. She I, was I told, testing you. You know, she's pretty yeah. hardcore. Oh yeah, she's pretty hardcore. Uh, I told her one morning. I said, "I'm not going to church." She's like, "Why?" Because I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church. I'm I'm tired of dealing with church people. They're stupid. And she's like, "Well, I'm going to church." When people test me where I'm where you're at, I'm going to tell them you're laying in the bed because you don't want to deal with stupid church people. So what did I do? I got up, took me a shower. Uh, you know, 
at this point in time, throwing my jacket and my tie, and I mm. rolled out just to keep from because she would have. She went and told the whole church when they said, "Man, is Lee okay?" No, he's not okay. He's laying in the bed right now. He's sulking. He's being a baby. Um, he said, "Don't do it, y'all. Y'all are stupid." <laughs> That's exactly what she would have done. Well, it was probably a good decision that you went, went to church that yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. No, no doubt about it. She she so, pulled the right I mean, cards on that. You one. you end up back so, in the ministry. How'd you get there? Um, man, they asked me to preach at this church and I, you know, um, I felt like God had started, you know, doing something in my heart. Uh, you know, I just, I, I was like, yeah, I'll preach. And, and so from that point on, it was just one of them things. I, I, you know, I started where I could again, I jumped in where I could fit in and, and I tried to help and I tried to be a blessing to that church and, you know, uh, but we sat there like a year and a half, so probably six months. I, you know, in that six month time frame, I knew when I went to Bible college that I was going to end up starting a church at some point in time in my life. It was a weird, weird thing. I wrote down, I wrote down, they said, what would your dream be? And, and look, man, I don't right. know nothing. Like I still, I don't know anything. But I said my dream would be to start a church. Like, who even says, you know, this is your dream? Like, I, I, I had the location. I had everything. And, yeah, it, it, just crazy. And um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a church. And there wasn't a whole lot of people like me in most of the churches that I went to. Like I didn't come from my background, didn't have like I, I've always been just, you know, I'm I've always been just a little rough around the edges mm -hmm. with stuff, and you know, you had to be just so so in a lot of these places, and like I could remember, you know, one place I was at, like we didn't they didn't have a they quit doing the bus ministry, which you know whatever you think about the bus ministry is what you think, but. They had a bus ministry. They quit doing the bus ministry because the kids were tearing up too much stuff. Like they were messing the walls up and they were having to paint the walls too much. And I, you know, I was like, um, I, I think we can buy some paint. Like uh, if that's what our concern is, I mean, I'll paint the wall. Uh, I wanted to stutter, start a recovery ministry at one of these shirts. No, we're not, we're not mm. bringing those kind of people in here. And I just knew I was like, yeah, okay, well, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit different. You know, and um, so I started this church um, with the blessing of that pastor. He actually gave us, a, you know, a substantial amount out of that church, you know, to, to go towards this church uh, when we needed a new roof. Um, I called my old pastor, the dude that was preaching when I when I got saved and I did everything I could to make it right with him, uh, me starting a church in mm -hmm. his hometown. Um, now, he resigned two weeks oh. after we started our church. So my old church, uh, two weeks after he started, he, we started, he resigned. He was, go, he was mm -hmm. at going out anyway, but he resigned two weeks after. And um, so we, we didn't even come close to retaining anybody from that church. So anyway, we started this church. 
it was just, you know, it was sheer desire and zeal. God let God give us mercy off sheer desire mm-hmm. and zeal. The whole place is remodeled. We don't have a clue what we're doing biblically. Like we we know the basics. Um, we're trying. We're winning people. To, we are winning people to Christ. Uh, it was me and my family and like I don't know maybe six or eight more that started. And uh, we're winning people to Jesus, doing the best we can with what we know at this time. We remodeled the whole church. You know, again, I still know nothing about really about pastoring about this. I have no idea about discipleship whatsoever. No idea about training leaders. None of that stuff. And the whole husband and husband deal, it's still, you know, that's still off over there in left field somewhere. So now you've added in pastoring church, starting a church that required a lot of time with no money at all from the church. Um, in on the fact that you're not, a you're, you're not really a good husband. Yeah. It was compounding problems. Yes. Ridge, my youngest kid is six years old. Uh, we had a little boy, uh, his name was Woodrow and Woodrow passed away when, um, he was 20, 20, 21, 22 weeks mm-hmm. along. Jordan was. So Woodrow passed away and um, go to the hospital and they're like, man, listen, you got to deliver this baby. And um, so we had set a time up to go in. And, man, it was just uh, it was one of the rough. And, and remember, I'm I still. So you don't really know what to do in terms of comforting Jordan through all this. I look back at them days and I just, ugh, man, just sick, you know. So we're in the hospital having this child. It takes us longer in the hospital for her to have this child and get out than it does, and, and not carry a baby home than it does for you to go to the hospital, have one, and then carry one home. So we're there for like what seemed like forever. She got a little infection, you know, from all of it. And, you know, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at this baby. I've started this church and I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? Like, why am I even here? Like, I, I, I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do. And now I'm in a little chapel room holding this baby across the hall from my wife, who is just, oh, yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, Lord, you knew we would have loved this kid, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get why I'm here. And um, so we, we get out of there. Uh, we have a funeral and uh, just, mm. you know, just awful. One year to the day of Woodrow, uh, pat, find, of us finding out that Woodrow passed away, uh, Ridge was born. One year to the day Ridge was born. So we, that was a, it was still a year of hard grief. Um, even after Woodrow was born, he was a lot and he is still a, 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 a super light, mm. bright light in our life. I mean, he, you know, he was the, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, um, where we was. And, so 
I, again, I still don't know anything really about being a husband. Um, don't really know nothing about, I mean, I'm doing what I can. I think about a year after we had Ridge, we're still mm -hmm. like still having problems. Right. I mean, it's still, it's still not great. We're still dealing with the grief of, of this child. And, and like I said, Ridge was, a, uh, you know, he helped right. us cope with this whole thing, but, but we still had a lot of heartache and, uh, she had a lot of heartache. I wasn't what I needed to be in this whole thing. And, you know, so we hear that, um, at one Baptist church, Billy Woods, a pastor, uh, that brother Mark is, is, um, preaching on seven biblical mm -hmm. responsibilities of a husband and, uh, and, and a wife, but the, this particular night was seven biblical responsibilities of a husband. And, you know, I don't know why we, we, this is, we'd never actually heard Mark in person ever. And so I get somebody to preach at our church on a Wednesday night and we go to one like the pastor goes to another church to get is scrounging around for some marital help. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Sierra Schaefer, and I'm currently in Tampa, Florida, a part of the work um, the Lord's doing at Living Faith Tampa, and I'm enrolled in LFBI classes um, and have been for a few years. LFBI has allowed me to grow in God's Word in a deeper way than I ever have before and has held me accountable to the Word of God. I'll reread passages I have a billion times before and always learn or see new things because of what I'm being taught and what I'm receiving through the teaching of God's Word. And it has helped in leading Bible studies and discipling and investing in girls uh, who need to grow deeper in the Word of God. If you are a growing disciple or just want to learn more about God's Word, I would encourage you to sign up for classes and just be willing to give your time to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks. And that's one of the greatest ways LFBI has helped me is just to have an answer and to hold myself accountable and know that God's Word is the foundation. And so I would encourage you to sign up. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. And now back to the show. It's just crazy when you really think about it. So I get over there and we listen and, um, you know, I'm like, dude, that that's heavy. Like that is really and heavy. You'd we get never back heard in the Mark, car. You'd never heard Mark Trotter preach and, before. And Jordan. This is your first encounter with this guy. Okay. No, no. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we get in the car. And Jordan says, well, um, I know one thing. You aren't doing any, any of, of those. those seven things. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes, none of them. And I said, sister, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's seven <laughs> for your tale too. And she said, but we didn't come to hear them. We came to hear you. And did you hear what he said? All of this is actually on you. If you really want to be. Like, this is really falling on you. You're the leader in this joint. Like, you wasn't listening. I'm like, I was listening. I'm just mm -hmm. using what I'm saying, what I ain't here. Like, you know, uh, so 
that was our introduction into uh, into Mark Trotter's uh, world, so to speak. And um, so I start plugging along and I like, you know, I'm trying to get I'm trying to work through this stuff. And like, man, it was so hard. It was just so hard. It was a brand new thing for us. So God, through that deal there. Uh, I think that was like during the summer or something, mm-hmm. um, maybe September, somewhere around right in there. Sobship Conference mm-hmm. is the next, what, is it March? I think that when it is. Okay, so I go to the Sobship Conference. That's my first introduction into all of you guys' world. And that was life-changing. Um, you know, I, I tell this story because it's one of the most frightening things that ever happened to me um, when when I came into y'all's world. Um Dan, uh, Dan, Dan was pastor the first. Dan yes. Dan shakes my hand. He's like, Hey man, welcome to fellowship. You're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Pastor of the road. And you know, I'm, you know, I knew you, I knew you, I knew y'all were different from the moment I met you. Like I just knew there was something different. And Dan says, man, who discipled you? And I was like, um, well, um, no, mm, I don't know how to answer that. And he's like, well, like it was almost like a, uh, like a little black cloud hanging over my head for a long time. So then Brian Hedges comes up, same deal, shakes my hand. Oh, you're a pastor of the road. Oh man, who discipled you? And then I knew like, oh, there's, so this yeah. is a pattern. Like there's something going on here. Like the last two pastors have asked me who has discipled me. And I'm sitting over here like a lost puppy dog. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what does that even mean? And, but I knew that it was something and it had to be serious or they wouldn't keep asking. Like, you know, Dan and Brian, uh, they, they both have these glares like Brian, uh, Brian didn't, didn't flinch. He didn't, like I kind of, you know, I, I tried to play it off as like, you know, trying to figure out a way to get around it and be funny at the same time. <laughs> Brian was not laughing. Like, dude, if you're a pastor, tell me who discipled you. If mm. not, you need to resign. That's what I felt like. And uh, so anyway, uh, so that was my first introduction. Um, that year, God sparked something in me. The next year. I can't so, remember. Yeah, we had it five I mean, years for a while. Yeah. Okay. It it was the year that uh, what sold me um, was the year that Brother Mark was preaching at, at, in the evening sessions, and he was preaching on the mission and how the mission has never changed from the very beginning. At, and yeah. I, I don't know if you remember the Lucifer and the Sons of God, Adam and the Sons of God, and then Jesus Christ and the Sons of God. And he took yeah, that time that. to work all the way through that whole thing. I was done that night that that through that time I was done. I was like, well, here it is. Like, this is all, this is it. This is all I'm supposed to do. Mm. This is what I'm supposed to give the rest of my life to. It's obvious that through the book, this is the pattern that we're seeing for the first time ever. The gap made sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you grew up, you grew up, I mean, the years you'd spent around Baptist hood, um, you know, your training at the college that you went to, your your years in, in the church, things were getting stirred up. Like things that you knew as a matter of form 
were starting to make sense as a matter of doctrine yeah. and practice. And it, it was kind of shaking your world a little bit, right? which caused you to go to Mark and say, dude, I, I, I don't have, no one has discipled me. Like, I need someone to help me with this. Yeah. I actually, so I went to Mark and I told mm. Mark I thought I needed to resign. <laughs> and he was like, uh, no, you're not resigning. And I was like, bro, I, I really think that'd be the best thing for me to do. I, I don't I don't know anything. I, I mean, I'm learning. And he said, no, you're not doing that. He said, I did the same thing. I mean, you know, obviously he's way, he's, he's super humble dude. He, he's probably nowhere near on the same spectrum that I am. Um, but he's like, man, he, he, I think he was, he talked to me about him flying mm -hmm. back and forth out to Kansas city and meeting with somebody. I don't, I don't remember. It was pastor Jeff Adams and the, at the Kansas city Baptist temple. Yeah. Yeah. He tells that story yeah, on, on one of the podcasts yep. that we did with him. Okay, so he's flying back and forth out there, and he's learning and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I, you know, that made me feel a little bit better. Um, yeah, you, you, you had stumbled onto something the same way he had stumbled onto something. And so there was a kindred spirit. I mean, he understood sure. where you were at. Yeah. And I, and I was sincere. Like, I, was, I would have resigned, and, went, and, and I would have done whatever— like, I mean, whatever I needed to do, like I felt that inferior to the position that I was in, mm -hmm. um, in terms of training people and, and seeing people discipled. And like, I could, I mean, you know, I could preach the gospel with, you know, to anybody at any time, but you know, we got much deeper than a lot mm -hmm. of that. than I, I just didn't know, you know, you know, and, uh, so so he said, he, he's like, well, dude, we'll just start meeting. We'll just start meeting and, and uh, you know, and w anything you want to know, like, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just do this thing. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I never figured uh, that it would end up the way it ended up. Uh, and I know there's probably a lot of people that can say this about Mark, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It was one of the most humbling things that ever happened in my life. I was showing the guys. This is one of the last things, and it's just it's just a sheet of paper that he wrote on, but it's one of the last things that Mark ever gave me. And I was showing the guys on Wednesday night. And I'll never I'll never be able to to show just how thankful I was. I am right other than not quit and not waste what he did, man. He spent so much time on me on such ignorant questions like circumcision, like spiritual circumcision. When I got a hold of what spiritual circumcision, when I called him on the phone, I'm like, bro, did you, did, is it, yeah. is this real? Like, this is, this is a thing. Like, my flesh is cut away. He's like, yeah. You, yeah, you never heard that? And I'm like, no. Dude, all right. Hey, Tuesday, we're going to meet, and we're going to talk about spiritual circumcision. So Tuesday, we meet, and we're, we're sitting down and, 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 you know, drinking coffee, and, and he's breaking down and drawing out, like, how that, you know, God mm -hmm. cut away 
the flesh. Is an operation of faith. And he's talking about this. That this is how your spirit's now. This is how you're sealed. This is how your soul is sealed. It's been cut away. And you've been sealed mm-hmm. under the day of redemption. And that's why you're going to get a new book. And I mean, I can remember that like it was yesterday. One of the greatest things that I ever learned. Like, bro, you know, I've always been eternal security. But when I got yeah. done with that, I was like, oh, yeah. son, it's over with. Like, lights out, you know. Right. Or we, that's not it. We don't even need to talk about that no and more. And I think one of the things that I think is beautiful about the story, and I think this is what I really want people to hear, is that you you had doc, doctrines that had been handed down to you. And you can call it whatever you want, traditions of men or whatever. But you be, you be, you believed in them. Traditions, yeah, you helped, you doctrines, them. little both. But yeah. what Mark offered you is what so many Christians need. They need a biblical hermeneutic. And, and by that, we, we, we're talking about comparing Scripture with Scripture. Yeah. And once you learn how to define the Bible with the Bible, everything becomes different. Everything's different. And I think that's, from what I hear in your story, yeah. and when we've talked everything. about it, that's the game changer, not just for you, not just for your family, but for your church. Like when you step into the pulpit, it's it's become different. The way you yeah. preach has become different. The way you approach your people has become different. Maybe you can talk to us a, a little bit about that. Share how Mark's impact and what he showed you about the keys of Bible study began to change your understanding of of ministry and about who God is. So the keys of Bible study, the the comparing scripture with scripture. Um, you know, okay. So. In reality, the first time I ever heard the key of David, I've heard it uh, on podcasts before, but the mm. first time I ever heard Mark teach it was in Malawi. And it's just a different when you're doing it in person, even with a translator, it was just a different deal, you know, like, oh, like real deal. Well, I, you know, I was like, all right, so I've got this desire thing down. I've got what what I feel like I have in that key. I feel like my desire is towards the book, mm-hmm. Lord, open thou mine eyes. You know, that's what I feel like, all right? When we got to the comparing Scripture to Scripture with Scripture, dude, it, it spiritual things with spiritual things, man, it was a total game changer. We're defining the Bible with the Bible. We don't got to go to all these other places. We're not going to all these commentaries. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, all we're doing is just opening the Bible. And so we coupled that. Now— <laughs> This is how crazy it was for me. We coupled that with oh, yeah. kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, which, right? whoa, like that's a real thing. Like, you know, it, when it, when, and when it struck brain, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, just game changer again, all over again. So then we roll into now, now Mark taught kingdom, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven here. Mm-hmm. He taught seven stages of spiritual growth here. So we so we're coupling all these things together. We're 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 drinking out of a fire hose. I'm drinking out of a fire hose. They're drinking out of a fire. I mean, like it's not now. You know, I I'm able to give it Sunday Sunday in Sunday out Wednesday in Wednesday out. I'm able to give it mm-hmm. in those doses that we can all handle it now. But for a period of time, we're all drinking out of a fire hose over here. And 
seven stages of spiritual growth. I was like, man, if we're not doing right. it, like we, we got to be seeing this happen. Like if we right. don't see this happen, we're, dude, we're missing everything. If we're not adding to our faith these mm-hmm. things, man, what are we doing? You know? And so what happened is I we we all we all started figuring out together. This my men, us, we all I mean, there was some guy like I had one guy that had been introduced to some of this stuff before, but we started figuring out like we we dropped the ball royally. And that we now we 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 feel like that we're just now at a place to where most of our people have bought into the biblical hermeneutic of, of scripture was script. Now we're in the South. It's just a mm-hmm. different, it's a different deal sometimes, but we're finally at the place where we feel like most people's bought in comparing scripture with scripture. They don't need a whole lot of extras. They don't need all the stories. They don't need all of the glitz and the glamor and, you know, the, 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 you know, yeah. the style of preaching versus, Scripture with scripture. There is a way in which you deliver a sermon that fits within that that culture and that context. Yeah. Um, who I mean, I, I don't hooping and hollering yes. and and uh, lots of angry rhetoric and uh, maybe the way you described it, just maybe lacking some of the substance necessary. Was that hard? Was that hard to break yourself from from right. those things? I mean, when you were stepping into the Pulpit, did you feel like you were yes. putting on a different person, or what was that like? Well, I just felt like, and, and I felt like it was teaching. I was like, man, I feel like I'm just teaching. I don't feel like I'm, and I know that's really stupid, mm. like, now. But I felt like, at the time, well, all I'm doing is just teaching the Bible. Well, you know. Two years after saying something really stupid like that, I'm here to tell you, like, all we need is somebody to stand up with the touch of God Amen. and teach yeah. the stinking Bible. Right. <laughs> like, that's what we got to have, you know. And so, yes, that what we were in and, and not all of the places that I've been in and not all the preachers that I've been that I'm like, I man, I got some preacher friends that are they're not mm-hmm. necessarily of the same ilk that I am now. They don't travel, you know, they don't they're not uh you know, there's some things that we still differ on, but man, great Bible preachers. But if you're not careful, you you get to the point of where you where there's a personality that's built this church and it ain't mm-hmm. it ain't built on solid Bible preaching. So if the dude with the personality that they like ain't there, well, then they're ticked. They're like, oh, man, we got to listen to this dude preach. Mm-hmm. Or, and he's doing the same thing I would be doing. It's just because he's got a different personality, and they're more drawn to the personality and the man than they are the message mm-hmm. and, and the Word of God. And so it's, it's, a, it's hard. It's a hard transfer. But I'll tell you, mm. I'm completely sold out to the transfer. Like I, I will spend the next, I will spend the rest of my life making sure that we don't make it about a man and a personality and all that to center in on the one thing that is going to change their life. It ain't going to be me. I mean, I've messed more things up than I've fixed. So it ain't going to be me. It's going to be the word of God 
it's going to be God changing their heart through that book. And that's what, you know, that's where we're at now. And, you know, Pete Mark would come in and, you know, believe it or not, people, when I first brought Mark in, I loved him. I thought, I mean, it was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Man, people would be, mm-hmm. people would be like, who is this dude you're bringing in here? It was you just know, stood in such stark contrast to what they were used to. Yes, yes. And look, I'm not against I'm not against those guys. I'm against the mentality that the personality has to be this way mm-hmm. and it ain't preaching if you don't do it this way. I am I am so against that till it's not even funny now. Like uh cuz I got Dylan Brown uh Associate pastor of his church, man, he is, he is in my, I mean, he's a young guy. I think he's 24, 25 years old. One of the, I mean, I think he is one of the best Bible teachers, Bible preachers mm-hmm. his age around. He ain't like me, but I'm going to tell you, he feeds my soul. Why? Well, because Dylan Brown's in the LFBI. Dylan Brown believes in the keys of Bible study. He, he believes in a biblical hermeneutic. He studies. And whatever whatever God deals with his heart on, and mm-hmm. he's going to preach it, and he's going to do it just like we do it. He's going to take the keys to Bible study, and he's going to lay it out. Yeah. And and God blesses me every time he preaches. So that's great, man. You know, that's great. What's discipleship like in your church now? Because that's a big that's a big thing. You had to implement that. Yeah, yeah, we implemented discipleship. Um, let's see, this coming up March will be uh, two years. But, but, you know, the first year was, shall we say, rough. Uh, even with Mark's incredible influence in the whole thing, it was still rough. We're still on our first generation. Yeah. We're still at generation one. We, we have not rolled over into that second teaching uh, ju- just yet. So, but it's good. I mean, it's been great. It's been tremendous. God's blessed it. Um, we, we've let God work through some stuff in different people's lives. And, and God's, man, God's blessing our, God's blessing the men that I'm uh, in that relationship with. And God's, you know, I, I, love the, I love what I see out of it. And I love watching people grow. I, love, I mean, it's just, and then, you know, we do have the casualty rate, you know, that, probably isn't, I don't know, maybe normal, maybe not normal for somebody that didn't have a discipleship ministry and then introduce that discipleship ministry, you know, as a thing that we were going to do from here on out, no matter what, that's what we're going to do. And it's what we do now, you know, um, it's who we are. And, and, um, so well, praise the Lord. I mean, the testimony, the testimony is that you got some momentum and, and that God's at work and, takes takes a while to change a culture but uh, God's yeah. faithful to do it and uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he's using you to, to lead the pack but I need to get out and visit your church I need to meet your people um, I can't I can't wait for that some at some point um, yes because you uh, do you know I, I've grown to love you and your family quite a bit I'd love to see the work that's going on out there that'd be very cool um, amen as we close out um, Man, I, I wonder if there's like if there if you could provide an admonition for pastors who don't yet understand how to implement discipleship. Maybe they've been using the word a bunch, but but they don't really know or they don't see it being effective. Um, or maybe a pastor that just feels like, 
maybe feels fraudulent, maybe, you know, a leader who's preaching and teaching and they don't feel like they have what you found in terms of the keys of Bible study and, and understand how to unlock their scripture. What, what would you say in terms of uh, an encouragement and a challenge to them? Well, one, I would say that if I can do it, anybody can. Um, for real, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that with any kind of false humility whatsoever. You talk, I mean, again, we're talking about the high school dropout here. Um, and, and just straight up with you, God can do with you whatever, whatever your heart's desire mm-hmm. is, if it's pure towards the Lord and if it's pure towards the judgment seat of Christ being profitable and, and I, I think that's the only reason God's blessed us is because, you know, I feel like my heart was pure towards the Lord. I feel like my my me noticing that I had really messed up and being able to back up and punt. Like, I, I apologize to my whole church. Like, I'm like, guys, mm. I have royally screwed up. <laughs> like, you need to know this. Like, I have really messed this thing up. I apologize to my men, like my closest leaders, like— just pour my heart out to, to that, to them about this whole thing. Um, but I will say, uh, the, you know, my kid, this is my, this, this drives me as much as anything does. What are my kids going to have to build on? Are they going to know the culture of discipleship? If I, if, if like, if I don't do it, and I don't lay the foundation, then I'm expecting this group coming up to mm. try to figure out how to lay the, no, that. No, I can't do that. Like I, I'm, we got a church full of kids and I look into their eyes and I see this next generation of teenagers. And if, and if, if I don't lay this foundation and I don't do it right, if I don't do it like God has called us to do it, mm. man, I don't know that it'll ever get done. Like I don't know that I that it will ever happen if if I if if we don't buckle down and if I don't lead the lead the way in doing this thing I don't know that it'll ever get done and then what happens you know if the Lord tarries and the Lord doesn't come back for ten years man I got I got I got three I got three girls two of them will be seventeen in November uh, one of them turns fourteen tomorrow. I got a little boy that's nine, a little boy that's six. Ten years from now, I expect my kids, I, I don't, you know, may, maybe not, but I expect my kids will have kids in ten years. Uh, what what are they going to do? What what are they, are they going to, we're going to, we're going to raise them in what we was raised in. We're going to raise them in tradition. We're going to raise them in them not knowing the Bible. Mm. I, I can't, I can't not do this. <laughs> Like I can't, and I think it's too big of a deal to let it be water under the bridge. Oh, that's just the way you think about it. Well, that's just the way you see it. Well, if you can show me how, if you can show me a better way of it working that is that God has shown you from from His book, then then so be it. That was the thing that sold me with Mark. God yeah. took 12 men and changed the world. God, God invested. The, the mission was, I, I, have, I have finished the work that thou hast sent me to do. I have given them words. 
I have I have mm-hmm. manifest thy name. I have sent them into the world. Done deal. John seventeen. Done. We we don't even got to talk no more, right? This was the work that he had finished, that God had sent him to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's what we're gonna go do. If yeah. we're gonna go and be, if everybody wants to be like Jesus, then that's what we're gonna go do. We're gonna do the same thing they did. We're gonna do the same thing Jesus did. If Jesus used twelve men to change the entire world, well, I think he can take a little church. And, and in a number of years, it may be years down the road because we're all, you know, we're all who we are. And mm. God's going to change. God's going to change this community. God's going to change somebody's world. Uh, you know, when build mm-hmm. when our, you know, our deal is when build and send. OK, if you do that, you're going to change yeah. the world. It yeah. may not be the entire world, but it's somebody's world. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to change somebody's world. And so that's, you know, that's what we're doing. That's what I encourage every single pastor to do. I mean, dude, just get after it. Like, you don't know where to just get at. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You can sit around and suck your thumb and be all mopey about it all you want to. Mm -hmm. But that ain't going to change the fact that we're still not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we just got to get after it somehow. And so. Well, Lee, man, your testimony is a blessing, and uh, it's good to hear t- just to see the, all of the different uh, versions of you, the stages that God had to take you through to get you, you know, where you're at now. I mean, from from that kid that, you know, didn't you know didn't have uh, a mom and dad looking out for him the way that that he should, to now having a father that's holding you by the hand and teaching you how to do the work, it's pretty pretty amazing thing, and. I'm I'm really grateful for our friendship. I can't wait for the years that we got ahead of us um, because um, I, I count you uh, as as a close Amen. friend and and uh, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for you across the board and uh, and hope I hope that if there's any pastors that um, that are in, in the place bro. that you've been at at any one of those stages that they'll reach out to you and they'll find you and and they'll 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 look to you the same way you got to look to to Mark Trotter for help. Amen. Um, you can be that help to somebody else. Well, bro, I love you. And uh, Amen. I love you too, man. And look, for real, I'm thankful for you guys. Like you, you just wouldn't believe. I mean, God's used you in, in huge ways and, and praise the Lord for you. Well, um, with that, Lee, thanks for your time. We appreciate you. We'll we'll talk you and I'll talk real soon. But uh but I'm thankful that you came on the show. Thank you for letting me be here. And uh, with that, we want to thank you as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. Uh, Hopefully, uh, Lee was a huge encouragement to you, and and his testimony was an encouragement to you. One of the things that he mentioned there at the end is that he's taken LFBI classes as well as some of the other people in his church, just so he can get a better grasp on the Word of God. I mean, this is a guy that already came through Bible college, and, uh, and so he is looking for a deeper, more intentional approach to, the, to God's Word than what he grew up with. And so, uh, you know, in his humility, he's decided to continue taking classes to grow in his understanding of God's Word. And so no matter what stage you're at in your own personal growth, we want to invite you to join us. Uh, there's nothing, you know, nothing to worry about. Do you want to learn God's Word? Okay, jump in. The water's warm. We've got LFBI classes coming up for this fall semester, uh, August 20th. Uh, will be the next uh, semester of, of classes. And so we want to ask you to join us. Visit lfbi.org to check out what classes 
that we'll be offering this fall. But with all that said, we love you. We're grateful for you. We're always thankful for the time that you spend with us on The Postscript, and we will see you again next Monday. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.